Hello everyone, this is Donnie, aka Elevated with Dota Alchemy, joined by Jenkins again, and we are here to do episode number four of Alchemy Answers. And just real quick before we get into the questions, I just want to let you guys know that we're going to start putting this up on Anchor is a really dope app. It's free and it's just one of the best podcasting apps. It's super easy to use. And it actually has this cool feature where you can actually message the podcaster a audio message. So if you want to ask us questions on Anchor, you can just send us an audio clip um, and ask us your questions that way. Uh, I'll put the link to our Anchor profile in the description below. And if you want to listen to just the audio version of Alchemy Answers from now on, we're going to have all of the previous episodes and all the future episodes on there as well as this YouTube channel. All right. So uh, hi, Jenkins. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good. Are we sponsored by Anchor? Uh, we are not, but we should probably look into that. All right, so question number one. How do you push with a non-pushing lineup? I am Archon, almost legend rank, and most of the time my team never picks pushers. We win all the team fights, but can't push high ground. Then the other team snowballs, basically asking, how do you secure a win with your lead if your team cannot push buildings? Uh, I have a few answers for that. So, and that, that makes sense because that's kind of Dota. There's always like a few solutions. Uh, you can itemize in a way to push. So items like Desolator, Necronomicon, Vladimir's Offering, uh, even Helm of Dominator. There are a lot of these items that can be used uh, effectively to push and then also maybe would benefit your hero as well. Like, for instance, let's say you're like an Abaddon or something. Building into Helm Dom would be good. If you're a Tidehunter, building into a Helm Dom would be good. That would help you push. But obviously, Tidehunter is not very capable of pushing uh, without without that Helm Dom. So if you need to be that guy that's building into that, into that item and pushing, that's okay. And another thing that you can do is you can change the way that you take fights in the game and you can try to attempt to take fights around the five minute mark uh every five minute mark by the way you know because of the siege waves you can uh, very easily take a lot of towers after you win fights but only if you're fighting around those siege waves so basically just change the way that you approach the game if you don't have a lot of pushers until you have those items or until you know that you can push on like a double siege wave or something like that Th that's a lot of lineups now by the way is the, you play these just fighting lineups and you kind of push when the entire enemy team is dead. I guess that's kind of the last thing is that you can just push when the entire enemy team is dead. Make sure that you have some regen items because a lot of the time you can push when the entire enemy team is dead. They respawn, you have no regen, they kill you. Uh, so as long as you have like urns and, and mechs and stuff like that, uh, you can just kill the whole enemy team and then that's when you push rather than like killing two of them and then trying to push into people that you can't push into because your heroes suck at pushing. Yeah, I'm really glad you actually talked about regen right there because I was going to add that is one thing that I've noticed a lot is that um, just generally speaking in pubs, it's really hard to coordinate stuff. And so most people just tend to not push after winning a fight because a lot of people are low. It's hard to coordinate. Okay, we can go this far. Uh, some of it has to go back, but then we're going to come and join the push a little bit later. Like that's, it's too complicated to coordinate that sort of thing. And so if you... If you're playing like some hero that doesn't normally build an urn or a mech, just build it anyway. You know, this is solo queue. It's about how you can singularly yourself impact the game in a positive way. And if that means deviating from the standard item build that you would normally uh, build on a particular hero because you are filling a very important gap in your team, then that is totally acceptable. Like I played a game actually yesterday where I was an Ogre Magi and our team had like no pushing heroes pretty much. And we were getting split pushed by an anti-mage and a nature's prophet relentlessly for the entire game. And I literally told my team, 
I am not going to go fight with you. I'm not going to go push their base because you guys are not taking care of the creep waves. <laughs> the creep waves are on our side of the map and you're trying to single push snowball down a lane while there's an anti-mage and a nature's prophet in both other lanes split pushing us. So my team was screaming at me, come, come mid, like everybody mid, 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 mid now. And I was like, nope, sorry. I'm going to go ignite these waves and just, you know, use all of my mana. I was fire blasting the siege waves just to keep them stunned. I was doing whatever I could to just keep these waves out of our base because sometimes it's way more important to have one hero defending your base than five heroes running down a lane towards objectives. And so, yeah, like Jenkins said, buy items that regen your team or pick heroes that regen your team because a lot of times if your hero or if your ally's hero is below 50% HP, they will just go farm jungle camps instead of hitting buildings. So whatever you can do to psychologically make them feel safe, do that, even if it doesn't fit your hero necessarily. All right, question number two. Why do you guys consider Clinks to be a bad hero? He's strong in pubs, but why isn't he picked much in the pro scene? Um, I, I'm... Okay, so I'm not necessarily sure what I think about Clinks right now, but I would, I would definitely not say that Clinks is a bad hero. Uh, I think Clinks is a pretty decent mid lane hero. I, I would say where, where I'm less comfortable having a Clinks, playing a Clinks, is in the carry role. And the reason for that is because the side lane is uh, is played it's played in a very particular way right now. There's uh, a lot of these like sustain heroes, uh, you know, warlocks, specters. That's typically the safe lane right now because there's a lot of these harass off lanes, and a lot of these harass off lanes. Okay, so just throw clinks into that scenario, right? You 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 pick a safe laner. You're against a harass off lane. Clinks can trade pretty effectively with his with his flaming arrows, but against like an axe Skywrath, he he can't. Like he just straight up can't. He can't out damage that. And the thing is, if you're throwing a harass offline versus another harass offline, you want to do more damage, and then they'll lose. But against most of the the strong harass offlines right now, Clink, a Clinks plus one is actually not going to do very well. Uh, and where I'm even more concerned for Clinks, and this is this is where I see sideline Clinks is doing terribly, is that uh, they'll feed. And it's not even that the, the, the player's bad. It's just that when you're sitting at like a 500, 600 HP hero who has the only, his only escape is the fact that he can go invis and he has the projectile dodging, which doesn't do much, but throw him against like a Sand King with Shrak and uh, Clinks will die every single time in lane. And he's a hero that likes to snowball. So throwing him in a side lane right now is really dangerous because you're not going to get that snowball. Whereas in the mid lane, it's a pure 1v1. And in terms of pure 1v1 heroes, Clinks is actually very, very good at harassing with the flaming arrows. You know, there's very few heroes who can actually sit in lane to him. And and he also uh, is a lot less gankable to those kill heroes in the mid lane because the, the tower is so close to the mid lane. Like the mid lane is just perfect for Clinks right now. He can basically attack all the way across from one tower to the other. So how could it not be perfect? Uh, once again, though, he's a snowball hero. And the only concern there for that mid lane Clinks is that uh, if you're not snowballing in the mid lane, you'll feel very, very useless very quickly. Whereas something like a Shadow Fiend can can absolutely flash farm and TA, absolutely flash farm, take over the game. Even if they don't have a, a, the greatest of starts, they can come back. Uh, whereas Clinks is kind of one of those heroes that doesn't really, so that's the only concern. But I definitely wouldn't say he's a bad hero. I would just say that he's not he's not top tier right now. Uh, maybe with a few more a few more buffs, or if the meta shifts, he might be uh, he might be pretty decent. Yeah, I think that the thing about Clinks is that 
he is he's a hero killer right he's kind of like a ricky where basically what he does is he kills heroes like who are alone and then he pushes towers really fast those are like the only strengths that he really has and so if you have a snowball hero who doesn't necessarily have a good landing stage and the only way that he gets farm is to kill heroes and people tend to be grouping up early and fighting early it's really hard to play a hero like that obviously in uncoordinated low level pubs there's a lot of people just kind of like wandering around the map doing nothing which you can pick off and kill but i think as the games get more coordinated as you go higher up the ladder it becomes really hard to actually get those solo kills unless you are really good at picking your spots on clinks yeah, I don't necessarily think he's a bad hero. I just think that, like you said, the, the meta is not favoring him, but it could just be that people need to figure out a different way to play Clinks than he traditionally has been played. All right, um, <clears throat> question number three. Can you tell me why so many good players like me, I see on 4K, are stuck in this 4K to 4.8K bracket? feels like carrying 3k game is really easy but dealing with trolling people who cannot listen in 4k is really hard uh man i mean that's that's a tough one it's 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 a tough one in the sense that i i feel like i would need to see your replays in particular to know what your core issues are but i can definitely say that if you are consistently losing certain games if you're consistently losing like oh if i get a high rated game i i lose or if every week i get x players or whatever it's your fault and and i i mean that with the greatest respect and and in the sense that i have a, i've also felt that before where i feel like oh my god i can't deal with these people they're trolling they're feeding i would lose my mind and i i would i would just i would say to to my girlfriend i would vent to her and be like I don't know how somebody like Brax deals with this and they'll, they just go into another game and they're fine. Or how's Brax top hundred, you know, how's he, how's he top 20? How's this guy, how's this guy so high rated when I feel like he's, I mean, he's obviously really, really, that sounds like I'm shitting on Brax. I'm not, he's a really, really skilled offline player, but I also felt like I was, a, I was a skilled offline player, at least higher than what my rating was, which at the time was like rank 500 or something. I was like, why am I not? You know, I can lane against all of these guys, and I can play. I can play against these people, and it it feels like I'm I'm about even with them. But um, and then and then it just it just it dawned on me that the problem was me. The problem was how I was feeling in those games and how I was reacting to those trolls. Um, and and because I because I know Brax, and I know that those people that would really bother me and get to me would not get to him, and that is something that makes you a better dota player not reacting to people is something that makes you a better dota player because it's part of the game dealing with people is part of the game it's a team game we play this public matchmaking uh so basically what i'm trying to say here is that i would definitely try to be very introspective when it comes to your your matchmaking because it's what Don, it's like what donnie said in one of the earlier answers uh and it, that's that no matter what, in a game of if, if you're playing if you're playing public matchmaking, the only consistent thing across all of the games is going to be you. If other people can win, then you should be able to as well. It's just that there's something that they're doing that you're not, and that's basically the way that you need to look at that. And uh, once again, I mean that with the with the greatest of love and respect. It's just a fucking human thing to be like these teammates. I can't do anything here, but really, you can.
you really can. And uh, that's just that's something that it, it, that 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 shit hit me hard at the time because I was like, I was constantly raging in games and shit and feeling like the whole world was out to get me. And then I I just I realized that like, you know what? How I'm reacting to this, the perspective that I'm having on this is actually is actually worse than what's happening to me because I can control it. And I was I was letting it control me. That's the problem. So, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, I was pretty much gonna just say the same thing. So I won't I won't go on that whole uh, talk that Jenkins just did. But basically, figure your shit out, man. Like <laughs> that might sound a little harsh, but it's your fault that you're stuck at that MMR. Like 100%. I mean, I I do too. Like when I I'll go on a big winning streak, and I'm like, dude, I am so much better than these people that I'm playing with. And then all of a sudden I'll start losing. And I'm like, why Why am I losing now? I'm playing the same heroes and suddenly I'm losing these games that I was crushing like two days ago. Obviously it must be that my teammates are worse. But no, it's not, it's not the case. Maybe a couple of your teammates are worse. That's possible. But the thing is, as you play the games, you're gonna have a spectrum of players and you're also gonna have a spectrum of your own performance. And you might not be playing at quite the same level on day two that you were on day one. And so the one mistake that you made extra on day two might've cost you the game that you wouldn't have made on day one. And the thing is, is like, as you climb the ladder, there's more variation in the games that you're playing. So sometimes you'll be the highest rated person by like three ranks in a game. And that means that you gotta carry harder. You have to try harder than you've tried before. If you're crushing 3K games and then you move up to like 4K all of a sudden, it might not seem like that big of a deal because yeah, there's still a lot of bad people in the 4K bracket, but the game is faster. And as you go up to 5K, the game is faster. As you go up to 6K, the game is faster. As you get up to competitive, the game is faster. Every time that you move up a skill level, even like 200 MMR, the game gets slightly faster, your mistakes get punished slightly harder, and you get less mistakes before the game is over. And that is something that a lot of people don't understand. So like, they go from 4.2k to 4.5k, and suddenly it just seems like, oh, well, you know, we can't do anything. We're just always getting picked off. My team is just always out of position. Well, maybe the people at this level are warding, like, 20 or 30% better than they were 200, 300 MMR ago. And so you're just being lazy because you're still playing with the movement and staying in vision and doing all the stuff that worked 200, 300, 400, 1000 MMR ago that is now being dumpstered by people who have consistently dumpstered that style of play to get to the level that they're at. And so it's really just about evolving. And that's why like watching your replays is really important because if you go back and you watch your replay, I guarantee you that you will pick out like 50 mistakes in the first 15 minutes of the game that you made. Could be CS, could be positioning, could be not TPing for a gank, could be not counter ganking somebody. Like you'll find so many things that you do wrong in the first 15 minutes of the game. And then if you go and you watch that same game, the same exact portion of that game from the enemy's perspective with enemy fog, you'll understand, you'll like be able to tell, oh shit, like I was just in vision for this whole, you know, two minute section where I thought that I was safe. No wonder I died twice in the same spot. 
you have to increase the speed at which you do things. You have to increase your map awareness and you have to increase your ability to take and eat shit as you climb the ladder because all three of those things will increase exponentially as you get better and play against better people. Actually, one thing I do want to say on that note is that uh, a good example is uh, I just recently played in the qualifiers for international and we basically like crushed our way through the the open qualifier playing against like basically amateur and semi-pro teams and then the moment we go into and it's like okay so we're top eight in na like that's pretty crazy right that was pretty surreal but then we go into this qualifier and holy fuck did we get stomped okay we'd like make five mistakes you know maybe five big mistakes uh, as a team against these open qualifier teams and uh you know, it wouldn't be punished. It, maybe eight, ten mistakes would be punished and we'd lose. Uh, but five five to eight, that's, that's you know, that's fine. That's reasonable. Depending on the team, they probably wouldn't punish it. But if we made, we make like a single fucking misplay against Optic, and the entire game feels so damn awkward. Like, so uncomfortable. It's not, it doesn't even feel like Dota. It's like you're just getting, you're just getting like, you're just tied to a chair and just getting slapped across the face by like a, a wet mushroom for you know 20 minutes straight and there's nothing you can do about it and it's like god that mushroom was really wet and slopping me in the face and i couldn't do anything about it you know this is a very strange analogy i don't know why i said that but basically it's very difficult and and um that that's that's something that for me was was like personally something that i noticed like a couple weeks back when we we're playing qualifiers was was those you can make a lot less mistakes against better players and like donnie said it's it's it is an exponential thing so i think it's exactly what donnie said you're getting into that higher bracket and it's just different it's just different and you're not adapting which is fine because that that happens you, you like it, ta it does take a while to adapt but believe me man the, the very first thing that you want to do is open yourself up to allow yourself to, to self-critique because otherwise that that adapting process will take longer and you'll lose mmr and that's obviously not something you want to do well i i actually have a formula for if I play in a game where I'm the highest rated, and then I if, if I'm the lowest rated, I have a different sort of thing that I do. Just because, for instance, my role is offlane. I play offlane. I play offlane in support. So if I'm supporting players who are very, very good, I'll be okay with playing support. If there's a good offlane on my team, I might change that up. I will not even consider if I'm the highest rated on the team. I go mid. I go straight mid because I know that my effect as a support or as an offlaner is going to be felt a lot less than if I were to just, I can go mid and make those mistakes and still have an impact because I know that the rating is a lot lower and that people are less likely to punish me for not knowing how to play mid. And I'd rather just have that control over my own game. Whereas if I'm an offlaner and I'm playing in these high rated games, I know that I need to play that role because otherwise I'm going to make enough mistakes. That these excellent players are going to punish me for it. And I actually want to add one more counterpoint to that because I don't necessarily think it's just about picking a different role. Like, that's that's your approach, Jenkins. But I also think that you can do it picking the same role. I don't, I don't think that, like, if I am the highest rated person in the game, I will make sure that I am playing a hero that can do multiple jobs really well. And we've talked about jobs before. But, like, for example, if I'm playing a support and I'm playing with players that I can trust to be fairly good at the game, I'll pick something that's a little bit maybe more fun and like aggressive, like an undying or something like that. But that's a hero that literally can't do anything without his team after the laning stage. And so I will never, ever, ever pick an undying 
uh, or a hero that cannot push and clear creep waves if I'm the highest rated person on my team. I will always pick a hero that can push waves out, that can scale pretty well into the late game, and that can take towers. Because I know that at some point this game has a very good chance of going south, and my entire team will sit in the jungle or in the base and not be aggressive enough to push the game forward. And so I will have to do that. And so if I'm playing like a Shadow Shaman, and I can split push and I can take towers by myself while my team is doing their scared reactive Dota playing and I can be active and aggressive, then I have much more control over the outcome of the game than I would if I'm playing on a hero that relies entirely on my teammates to do things that are good for winning the game. I agree. That's good shit. That shit right there is good shit. Uh, um, this, one's pretty, this one's pretty easy and actually is a really good segue from what we were just talking about. What is a good support that can push and keep teammates alive? Uh, so I'm going to answer this first just because this is the kind of heroes that I've been playing a lot recently. Uh, Warlock, first of all. Uh, keep teammates alive with uh, your Shadow Word and your Counter Initiation. Can push very well with the Golem once you have used it in a fight. Or you can also use Fatal Bonds on the Creep Wave and then they die faster than your Creep Wave and you can even heal your Creeps if you need to, to keep them alive. But you can actually manipulate the Creep Waves a lot with your spells, even if you're not a pushing hero, like traditionally pushing hero. You can do stuff like buffing your Creeps, like on Tree, for example. Tree has no Wave Clear, but if you Leech Seed the enemy Creep Wave and you living armor the one creep that the other creep wave is focusing your creep wave will destroy that enemy creep wave and push forward and that is how you can actually continue to push waves as a support that doesn't even have push so i would say warlock winter wyvern treant protector um dazzle is pretty good at keeping heroes alive and pushing creep waves you de you definitely want one thing that I do want to say here is that I think that there's this idea of like keeping heroes alive that is people people think it's centered a lot around like healing or some sort of sustain but there are actually heroes that are really excellent at doing the counter initiation thing and and keeping heroes alive by using disables or you know some just some sort of thing for for they initiate on you and then you either turn it or you get out and uh, like Lion is a great example. Jakiro, like these are heroes that if if the enemy team goes on, you can just you can just stun the ground on either of those heroes, and uh, you can very easily escape or you can turn the fight. So like you can actually save people by you know with Jakiro, and then and then obviously Jakiro and Lion are very excellent at pushing creep waves because they both have AOE. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, and so really, what it comes down to is if you're not playing a hero that has a traditional save, it's all about positioning. Uh, you know, don't show on the map. Sit behind whatever core is farming the lane. Whether you're an axe, an offlaner can do this. Uh, Earthshaker is great. Jakiro, Lion, etc. Um, there's there's many ways to approach the problem um, of saving teammates and not having push. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for joining us for this episode. Definitely make sure to check it out uh, in podcast form if you don't have time to watch the video. Some of you are you know commuting to work or whatever. Um, riding your bike around town, you know, walking the dogs. Uh, we now have audio format just because YouTube's player is awful for that kind of stuff. So thanks for joining us. Keep the questions coming here, Anchor, Discord, Twitter, wherever, and we will keep answering them. 
and look for some more content and some kind of exciting stuff coming up later this week. Uh, good luck, have fun, everyone, and go in some more.